Romans 13. Uh, I want to look at uh, the first portion of this, uh, verses 1 through 7. One of the things that the Bible teaches us, and really to be a, a good Christian, uh, is to be a good citizen, amen? To uh, have an impact, you know, within our society, uh, within our culture. And Paul writes here, let every soul... Uh, be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that, are, that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Uh, do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Well, do what is good, and you will have praise of the same. For he is, speaking of the authority, he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath uh, on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only for wrath, uh, because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. And for because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs are due, and fear to whom fear is due, and honor to whom honor is due. With that, let's, let's pray. Father, we praise you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we live in this incredible nation, Lord, called America. Lord, it really is, in a sense, an experiment, Lord, uh, as we look at the governments of the world. Lord, we know it's very imperfect, but Lord, we're, we're thankful that we're here, thankful for the freedoms that we have. But Lord, we realize the ultimate freedom is having a relationship with you, Lord, knowing you. And Father, I pray for us this morning, Lord, as we come and Lord, uh, and we worship and open our hearts and we seek to understand, we want to understand and know Lord, uh, your will for our lives, and I pray that, Father, as far as this aspect of it, Lord, being um, a good citizen, Lord, you'd help us to do that. We realize, Lord, your work in our life is so comprehensive. Lord, it impacts everything we do. It impacts not only the way we think, Lord, our motivation, Lord, uh, our everyday, Lord, practices, how we treat people, how we respond to different situations. We thank you, Lord, that our relationship with you, Lord, has, um, has an impact in all those particular areas. So, Lord, uh, we looked at you this morning. You know our hearts. Lord, you know our needs. And, Lord, uh, we come before you this morning as your people, recognizing your lordship. And so help us, we pray, to, to honor you, not only with our lips, but, Lord, more importantly, with our lives. So, Lord, we commit this time to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, this is a, a very, um, I think, critical, important issue, you know, regarding uh, how we, you know, how we, uh, how we live before the Lord, uh, uh, how we respond, you know, to our government. You know, as you look throughout history, uh, the church, God's people, uh, have often been under oppressive governments where they're not allowed to do, you know, certain things. They're, they're limited in a tremendous way. Uh, we know of certain many situations today where churches are just burned down, burned to the ground. Um, people are incarcerated. Uh, 
We know that there are places in certain places in the world where uh, the, the daughters, the children of, of Christians are kidnapped and, and daughters sold into sexual slavery, uh, things of this particular nature. And sometimes I think we for uh, one, one of the things that we always try to do is we do a short-term mission every year. We try to encourage people to get involved in that because when you go out there and you see what's involved around the world, uh, you realize how blessed, you know, what, I know we're always clamoring for more freedom, right, in America, but the fact of the matter is, you know, that's why everybody in the world wants to get to America, uh, because what we have, and we need to cherish, and we need to make sure uh, that we maintain the freedoms that, that have been given to us, uh, but I think what is more important, we need to realize, remember Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, because it's really knowing the truth, because look, look at, you know, we, we've mentioned this before, uh, probably a number of times, how sometimes freedom, when it's taken out of the context of what it was designed to be, can be destructive. Uh, you know, tremendous liberty, you know, that people have. They can make decisions that can be very destructive, you know, in their lives. Uh, just like in a sense we said, you know, fire is a good thing, but it needs to be kept in the fireplace. When you take fire out of the fireplace, it's destructive. And, uh, and again, uh, you know, we realize that when Christ comes into our life, he becomes a restraining force in our life. Uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, that freedom and liberty tell us that we can do, uh, yet we find that when we look to the scriptures, when we look to God and our relationship with him, the Lord's saying, hey, you know, be careful. Be careful what you allow yourself to embrace and bring into your life because it can be, it can be very, very destructive. Uh, like, for instance, this, 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 this law regarding uh, uh, marijuana. Uh, listen, I'm a child of the 60s. I grew up, I, I saw what marijuana did um, to many of my friends. And if it wasn't for, I think, the Lord intervening in my life. I remember the drug condition was so bad in Philadelphia in the 1960s. Uh, it's, it's horrific today. It's absolutely horrific. Um, my sister died of heroin um, usage at 45 years old. Um, all of her children were involved in drugs. Um, and I can remember back in the 1960s, it was so bad. This is how bad it was that in 1967, I signed up to the Marine Corps to get out of the city. I didn't have any options with, you know, with uh, college and all that, uh, no, no, no money and so forth, and, and not really an interest in it, actually. And, uh, and so for me, the military, like for many, you know, many young people, it becomes a vehicle to get out of an inner city, very difficult you know, situation uh, you know, because of drugs. And, and again, the freedom, you know, to, to, um, to do certain things that maybe the culture allows us to do or encourages us to do can be a very destructive thing within our lives. And so, uh, again, you know, when God comes into our life, you know, he wants to guide us. He wants to help us. He wants to lead us uh, into a life that will be, you know, uh, enriching. It will be fulfilling. It will be satisfying. And it will honor him. And I think Paul here, in a civic kind of way, is encouraging us and helping us uh, to do that very thing. So how do we respond to an oppressive, you know, situation? Um, oftentimes we look into the world and there's overthrows, there's revolutions. Uh, for instance, you got the French, famous French Revolution. Uh, you got the Bolshevik Revolution. You got the Cultural Revolution of the 1960s uh, in, in China. But we find that that is oftentimes the God, man's way of, of changing things. Um, but we find that God's ways are different. Uh, you know, as these letters are written here, they're written oftentimes, you know, to all the Christians over all history that had endured the worst situations. 
Uh, and we find that as we, we submit and, you know, ourselves to God's directive in these areas, that, that it'll be a blessing, it'll enrich our life, and it'll keep us safety. And again, no government is perfect. There has never been a perfect government. Government is a, a work in, in, in process and progress. Uh, it's a constant moving thing that's in a state of flux. Um, but I think how we respond to government uh, is, is very important, very critical. Uh, we want to make sure that we don't, you know, the, the one thing that the Bible never encourages is, is, is insurrection uh, and revolution in that kind of sense because what that does, whenever you have revolution, just study them. Study the French Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution, their culture, they're costly, bloody, millions of people dying. And that's not God's way. That's, that's what happens is when uh, we get ahead of God. You know, the funny thing is, you know, the Bible says that, that the Lord can touch and change the heart of a king. He can change it. Um, and one of the things that we f- we're going to find as we look at this, how we're to respond, that God tells us how we're to respond in such a way that we can impact government. Um, you know, we can see, you know, positive change, you know, as we trust the Lord and do it his way. Now, as we come to verse 1 here, <clears throat> he's reminding us that, that God is, so- is sovereign. And when we say God is sovereign, we say that, you know, that God is in control. He's working his eternal purpose. He's working a design. He's working something that's much bigger than us, um, than, than in a sense is what's bigger than America, or what's bigger than even my particular, or a people, a certain people group, their interest. You know, God's plan is so much bigger than that. And oftentimes government, you know, their idea can be very kind of short-sighted and kind of be myopic. But we have to realize that God is sovereign. God can work you know, even in a, a bad government or a poor government. You know, Scripture says that God rules in the affairs of men. Daniel teaches us that. And there's another verse over in Daniel 4.35. I want to read it to you. It says here, uh, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does, God does, according to his will in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, <laughs> Why have you done this? You know, in the final analysis, we vote. It's important that we vote. Every time, every November, you know, if it's voting season, we encourage you to do that. But you know something in the final analysis, God is the determining factor. God is the determining factor who gets in, uh, even though we vote. Uh, because what I, what I believe, that even though we vote, I believe that, uh, I've heard this many, I've heard this testimony many times, that somebody says, you know, I was intending to vote for so-and-so, but I got into the ballot box and I changed my mind. Have you ever been there? Have you ever done that? And, uh, and maybe even unbeknownst to us, that when we did that, God was prompting us to do that, to perhaps change our mind. So yes, we're to, we're to vote. Uh, we're to play our part. Uh, but at the, you know, at the, in the end of the day, uh, God basically puts into positions of power those people he wants. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, over in um, Psalm 75, it says that he, God promotes one and he dethrones another. He puts one, he puts one person into a place, a position of power uh, to govern over other people, and then he defrocks somebody else. Um, you know, God has that power to do that, even though he may be working through human agency. He can be working through the, the, you know, the, the, the effects and the impact of his particular people. But how are we to respond? First uh, Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 4 tells us. Now, you don't have to turn there if you don't want, uh, but I'll read it to you. You might want to write down the reference if you're a note taker. And Paul says this regarding how we're to respond 
uh, to the things that are going on in our world, in our government, and so forth. Because, you know, when it comes to the political things and, you know, government and those in charge, uh, there's probably more griping done about that than any other thing that goes on in the world, and particularly today. Uh, there's such political angst, there's such polarization, there's such po uh, political division, you know, in our country that I don't, I don't, I've never seen it this bad, um, where there's such extreme polarization taking place within our culture. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think, you know, honestly, one of the things I think is a problem, uh, because I've been around a few, you know, uh, a few decades enough to, to see the transition and the change, but I really think the 24-hour news cycle, it does a great disservice. Because it constantly stirs up the pot. You know, I used to like it before, you know, when um, you had the news at 6 o'clock to 6.30, you know, or, or you, had the, the, you had the local news before that, then you had the international uh, and, and, and national news at 6 o'clock to 6.30, and, um, and that was enough to get me angry just then. I don't need a 24-hour news cycle. Uh, Margie says to me often, you know, why are you talking to the TV? And, um, but Paul says this. This is, a, this is to be our response. Uh, therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for all people, for kings, for all those that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and, and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So the thing is, you know, th th that's God's purpose, that we might have a peaceful life. And remember this as Christians. You know, be careful that you do not get too embroiled in politics. Because, again, it becomes very divisive. Uh, you know, there's one side set against the other side. You know what? God's not concerned about making Republicans, Democrats, or Independents. Do you know that? He wants to save souls. He, he, wants to you know, he wants to transform and change lives. And I've seen sometimes, you know, well-meaning, you know, as believers, we can get so enmeshed and embroiled, you know, in politics. That's all we're talking about. And we miss, we miss opportunities. The, the fact of the matter is, you know, people need Christ. There are people in our world today that are lost, and they need a relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't necessarily need to be of the same, you know, political affiliation or think the same, you know, that we think politically. God wants to change hearts. You know, the, the Bible says in uh, Isaiah 55, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways, as the heavens are higher above the earth. And his ways are so differently than the ways of man. And again, as we come into relationship with him, then he begins to alter our thinking. We begin to think uh, much, much differently than we would uh, otherwise. Now, in verse 2, he addresses an ongoing, to me, an ongoing political issue of our time. I want to read verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. There's a political attitude, I think, unfortunately, toward our president. Uh, he's not a perfect man by any stretch. Uh, but I was in traffic this week, and uh, I was sitting behind somebody who had a resist bumper sticker on. And that, that's basically, it's a political statement. 
And I think that, you know, here, here the scripture telling us, be careful, you know, of our attitude, you know, toward the government and how we look at the government, um, how we treat our government. Um, Franklin Graham was saying this week, I heard this on the radio, he said, the treatment toward our president is by far the worst in American history. And the fact is, you know, whether you love or hate Trump, we need to respect and honor the office and the authority that he has. I've, I've been around for, I think this is the third, maybe the, maybe the 13th uh, presidential administration that I've witnessed. And I have never seen such incredible disrespect, you know, for the president. Uh, I think a lot of people don't like his personality. Um... I certainly appreciate his policies. I'm very thankful for his policies, many of his policies, and things that he's been doing. But as far as personality, I don't like his personality. I, I don't. I've, I've said this before. Um, and I think, uh, I think I'd love to see someone take away his tweeter. Um, I don't think it serves him well, quite frankly. I just don't think it serves him well um, to be going onto the tweet storms you know, um, I think, um, I, think um, I, pray, I pray for him. That's just like uh, what, what Paul uh, reminds us to do with Timothy. We need to pray for those in positions of authority uh, because we don't always get an administration that we agree with or that we like. And just as we uh, maybe prayed for uh, President Reagan, President Bush, President Clinton, uh, President Bush too, and President Obama, we need to pray for President Trump. Uh, that God would just simply work in his heart uh, and work in his life. We need to respect, you know, the office that God has given him that office, you know, basically, whether it be, whether it be for, you know, for good or bad. You know, sometimes God appoints, can, God can appoint a leader uh, to bring either blessing or to bring judgment. It says he promotes one and removes another. And so God has his purposes that he allows for whatever he's wanting, wanting to do, you know, in that particular country. And sometimes we can't see that. Sometimes that's hard to understand God's sovereignty in that kind of a way. He's saying here basically in verse 2 that those who fight against the government unnecessarily are risking themselves to be punished. I want to read something to you that uh, it... Uh, there's an author that I was reading just recently, and he said this. He said, thus the state is a divine institution with divine authority. Christians are not anarchists or subversives. Uh, we need to be cautious, however, in interpreting Paul's statements. He can, it cannot be taken to mean that all the Herods and the Neros of the New Testament times or all the Hitlers or Stalins or Idi Amins or Saddams of our times were personally appointed by God. Uh, that God or that God is responsible for their behavior or that their authority is in, is in no circumstances to be resisted. Paul means that rather that all human authority is derived from God's authority so that we can say to rulers what Jesus said to Peter, or Pilate rather, uh, you would have no power or authority over me were it not given to you from above. So Pilate missed his opportunity, or excuse me, missed his authority, or misused his authority to condemn Jesus. Nevertheless, the authority that he used to do this had been delegated to him by God. So uh, even though God is sovereign, he, you know, he allows people uh, in positions of power. Uh, we can't blame God for their mistakes or for their abuses or for their injustices or the things that they do. Um, 
God has, you know, uh, established authority. We see that as we look back at Genesis 8 and 9. He establishes that. And again, there has never been any perfect government all through history, but thank God that we have a system that works much better uh, than we see, you know, any system around the world. The only system is actually better, uh, quite frankly, because the Bible says that um, when you have many rulers, there's many transgressions, and you kind of see that. You kind of see that in democracy. You have oftentimes uh, interests vying against one another. Uh, the, most, the, the most purest system, um, uh, you know, if government is one that Jesus will institute uh, when he comes to reign on the earth, and that is monarchy. Uh, but the problem with a monarchy is, is you know, when, when you have one guy and he's an evil guy uh, or an evil queen, uh, we find it doesn't work so well. It only works if the person, that one person who's making decisions uh, is a person who is basically, you know, in Op, you know, in cooperation with God and with God's purposes. Now, he says here in verse 3, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. So do, not, do, you, or do you want to be afraid of the authority? Do what is good, unafraid rather of the authority. Do what is good and you will have the praise of the same. So he's speaking here basically under normal circumstances. And again, even under good governance, there's abuses. I mean, look, there's injustices. You know, guys get, some guys get, because the, the color of their skin is wrong, they get put into jail, you know, for 20 or 30 years. So even under good governance, you have these abuses that have these problems. And again, our compliance to the government doesn't excuse those things. I, I think, you know, one of the ways that's very important for us is that, you know, to change whatever we can change, to do whatever we can. You know, the Bible says basically we overcome evil by what? By doing good. We don't respond in kind to evil. Uh, oftentimes, that's, you know, the basis for many different, you know, revolutions and, and uh, insurrections, rather, responding in kind. But as we come to verse 4 here, <clears throat> again, we're told, he's reminding us here that God has ordained government. Uh, he himself has ordained this. He's established it. Uh, his objective, basically, is the safety and the protection of all mankind. That, that's his whole purpose and design in government. Uh, minimizing evil activity. He says, for he, the government official, whoever they are, is God's minister to you for good. Uh, but if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear that sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger, avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So even the police officer is our minister, designed to minister to us for good. It's kind of hard, isn't it, uh, when they pull you over and you know you're going to get a speeding ticket, and uh, to be, you know, to be uh, kind and gracious. Um, I remember one time, um, you know, when you think about the police, it's a very difficult job today. I, I don't know if I'd really. I, there was one time I wanted to be a policeman actually when I got out of service. And a few of my friends back in Philadelphia, about four of my buddies, all went into the Philadelphia Police Force. And, and I watched them go through like almost a personality change. Uh, because what happens is with policemen, oftentimes they see the bad side or the evil side of human nature. And what happens is if you see that on a daily basis, you, you, get, you get callous. You can become sort of cynical. And I remember my buddies, they all became kind of sort of cynical kind of attitudes. Um, but I think it's very, we, we have to be, you know, I think 
prayerful and careful, you know, how we think of the police. Um, a couple weeks ago, we had uh, one of the Webster police coming in through the parking lot, and I was just getting out of my car, and I pulled him over. I, I stopped, and I said, well, thank you. Because, uh, you know, there's times where we get um, uh, drug paraphernalia in our parking lot, you know, because we're not here at night, and people will come back. It's, 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 a, it's a church parking lot. So they'll come back there and, um, you know, do certain things. And so the policeman was coming through, and, and I just wanted to stop and say, oh, thanks. I really appreciate, you know, you guys. I think, I don't think they probably get a whole lot of people thanking them. Did you ever say thank you when you got the ticket? <laughs> and uh, so uh, the Lord put it on my heart. To order, uh, we called up the police about a week later. We called up the, the Webster Police Department. We said, we're going to send over pizza. We're going to send over pizza and wings and, you know, uh, just to, to bless you guys, to thank you guys, to say that we, we love you and we appreciate you. And they were so thankful for that. They were so incredibly thankful, you know, for that. Because I think a lot of times they just, you know, they, they're used to getting a lot of blowback. Uh, one time I was stopped. A little true confessions here. Um, I was stopped for a speeding ticket, and uh, I was going a little too fast, going by the school zone there over in Ontario, and uh, and all of a sudden, I, I looked at my back mirror, and there's the, the, the cruiser, and the lights are going, and, uh, and I just didn't want to pull over right away, because there wasn't a whole lot of shoulder on the road, and, and I was thinking of the policeman. I was really thinking of the policeman um, and his safety, so... I had to go a little bit further. I had to go like a quarter of a mile, you know, down the road. And, and, uh, and there was like a little farm market thing, so I kind of pulled in there, and he got out, and he was ticked. He was ticked. He had a bee in his bonnet. And uh, he says, well, why didn't you pull over? And I said, well, sir, you know, um, I didn't want you to get hit by a car. <laughs> so he goes, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but I think they got a tough job. I think they have a very difficult job. Um, you know, I think, I think in some situations, a policeman may go out and wonder if he's coming home at night. He's going to come home to his family. You know, we hear the stories of some guy who was, you know, just, you know, there was, in the past year, the policeman, the first week, the, the first week on the job, their life was taken. So I think it's important that we need, to, we need to respect them. We need to pray for them. They have a very difficult job. They're trying, as a matter of fact, they're trying to really help us out. I think also, too, as we look at this verse 4, I think it applies to all elected officials, not only the police, but the military as well, but judge and judges. And uh, there's one thing I'm thankful uh, for our president, uh, that he's been making you know, good judicial appointments. Um, I, think we, I, think, I think things get uh, difficult when we have activists, uh, judges undermining undermining the laws, trying to, not interpreting the law, but, but trying to write the law. Now, verse 5 here, he touches on our motive. You know, what, what's our motive for being a good, good, good citizen, okay? Um, well, I think there's plenty of, of, of uh, maneuvering here for, their, for the right motive. But he says, therefore, you, be, you must be subject not only for wrath or punishment's sake, but also for conscience' sake. So I think, you know, sometimes people are motivated to, to, to do good because they want to stay out of jail. Or maybe they don't want to get fined. Or maybe just they want to have a clean record. You know what? They're good things. That, there's common sense there. But you see, for you and I, it needs to be a higher standard. We want to please the Lord. We, we want to honor God. We want to bring glory to God. You know, sometimes I think, you know, we oftentimes think, when we, as soon as you say the word witnessing or be a witness, right away you think, you know, well, 
I need to tell somebody about Jesus or I need to hand out a track. I think one of the greatest witnesses, and that, that's good, that's good to do that if, if you're prompted to do that. But I think one of the greatest ways is just living a life that's pleasing God. Because you know what? I, I think there's a lot of confusion in our culture. I think there's a lot of confusion that comes, that comes basically is born out of moral confusion. Because if you don't know your maker, if you don't know the fact that God Almighty loves you, and that he sent his son, he came in the person of his son to die on the cross to become our substitute, to take our judgment, and to impart to us his very nature. I, I remember my life for 25 years before that happened. And you know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times you're, you're going through life and you're looking for something that satisfies you, something that fulfills you, something. And a lot of times we go through life just plugging ourselves into different things, thinking, well, th maybe this is the answer. And not that those things are wrong in themselves, but the fact is that God calls us into a relationship with himself and nothing else can, can measure up to that standard. Nothing else can meet that and satisfy that deep inner need for knowing Christ. Because when Christ comes into your life, his nature comes into you through the Holy Spirit. And I was in religion for a long time, never heard that. I just heard, you need to be good. Constantly got the hairy eyeball and the pointed finger. You need to be good. Nobody wants that kind of religion. Because you know what? We know we can't measure up. We know we can't really be that good. But when he comes in, comes into your heart, into your life, it, it's wonderfully radical. I never thought, I never thought that I would be a Christian. And I remember when I remember when my mother shot my father and he lay there in a puddle full of blood and I went to the hospital, Catholic hospital that I was born in. And the doctors had been working on him for hours and I went into a little chapel and I said, God, if you will save my father's life, I will do whatever you want me to do. And I never realized what that little prayer that I believe God put in my heart. That little prayer came into fruition when, when I realized I needed Christ in my life. And once Christ came into my life, little did I realize that I would be serving him behind a pulpit for now going on to 30-some years. You've got a plan for your life. It doesn't always have to be that traumatic or dramatic to happen. It can, be, it can be such a simple thing. And I think, I think what happens is we have to come to a place in life where we realize, I need him. I, I can't manage my life on my own. I need something more. I can remember my mother. We were, I grew up, we grew up Catholic. I can remember my mother at one point having a conversation with her because she never really met Christ within Catholicism. And, and I know many of you as well. Have, have cycled through Catholicism, as well as other Protestant movements. And I remember her sitting at the table, her saying to me, you know, I'm thinking about becoming a Jew. 
religiously. And I remember thinking, why would you do that? <laughs> but I, what it was, was it was an internal cry within our heart to find some kind of satisfaction. Because I think we get, we, there, there are certain junctures as we go through life, not every day perhaps, but there are certain times and places in life where we realize, you know, isn't there something more? You know, this life or this whatever, it's simply, it's not fulfilling me. And that's when, in our vulnerability, that's when we need to say, Lord. And I remember my prayer wasn't some great faith-filled prayer, man. It was like, Lord, if you're real, if you're real, because I, I had been hearing a bunch of Christians. And I said, Lord, if you're real, if you are who they say you are, Lord, I'm yours. And man, I'll tell you what, that simple prayer, <laughs> he took me up on it. It was awesome. It's wonderful. That doesn't happen for you. If you have not received Christ into your life, it's simple. You have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops. You don't have to pay any money. It's a personal thing between you and him. So verse 6, we got, okay, we got a little time here. Verse 6, here's the happy part, okay? For because of this, you also pay taxes. And most people hate paying taxes. Do you like paying taxes? Of course you don't. None of us do. He says, they are God's ministers attending. I, I was laughing at myself because when it says regarding taxes, they continually attend upon it. Oh, they sure do. Night and day. They continually attend to this very thing. You know, the, and it, because it's such an, paying tax has always been such an issue. Remember, the enemies of Jesus thought they'd entrap him regarding that issue. Remember, they went to him with the coin. Turn to Matthew 22, if you can. If you, if you, if you just want to write the reference down, I'll read it to you. Just a few verses there. These were the Pharisees. They're always plotting to... to they're either plotting to uh, trip up Jesus regarding religiosity or else the government. And again, they were living under a very oppressive government at that time. And so uh, they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Teacher, do you, we know that you are true and to teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Now they say, Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So how easily it would be you know, to get entrapped. And there was many, there was many insurrectionists of the day and, and political zealots. Yeah, don't, don't pay any taxes. Because there there's there kind of people, you know, that were drawn to Jesus like that. And, you know, the Lord changed their hearts, changed their lives. A lot of times it's interesting how we're drawn to Jesus over certain issues. We hear that Jesus can fix this. The Lord can change that. He can make a difference in our life. So interestingly how certain situations, you know, People plunge their lives into drugs. He can fix you. I've seen people delivered off of a tremendous heroin, a habit, cold turkey. He can do it. People are drawn oftentimes according to whatever that need may be within their lives. So is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and he said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. And so they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. 
And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Settled that issue right away. Yeah. Give to Caesar what belongs to him. But hey, more importantly, give to God. Render to him. That's really the more important thing, isn't it? The more essential thing. When you think about, you know, think about God is, is he not the one who has given us the ability to make money, to have a decent lifestyle, to have a roof over our head, to be able to go? It's, it's a, so many times the Lord reminds me, I'll be walking down the aisles maybe in Wegmans, and I'll just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I can put groceries in my cart, and I'm not worrying about where the money's coming from. Or thank you that I can put gas in my car. Thank you, I have a car. <laughs> it's amazing how we just sort of, well, we're Americans. This is our right. No. <laughs> These are blessings. These are things that God has given to us. And we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful. I find myself, the older I get, the older I get, I just find myself being more thankful. One of the things I'm thankful for now at my age is my health. <laughs> Uh, you, you know you're getting older when you and all your friends are talking about your health issues, you know. Remember when your parents used to do that? Remember when your parents used to say, that, what's wrong with them? Why are, they, why are they always sitting around talking about their health issues? And you, someday you get to that particular point. Sadly enough. There's a movement today. I don't know how popular it is, but it was a few years ago. One of the guys in our church a number of years ago, not this building, the, old, the other building we had, uh, got hooked up in this movement uh, about not paying your taxes. And they got all kinds of justifications for not paying your taxes. And, um, and you know, it draws a lot of people in because nobody wants to pay taxes. And so they give you a list of all these kind of justifications. But, you know, the, the, what the Bible says here is, you know, be very careful. Be careful. You're going to bring down, you know, the government, the IRS upon your head if you don't pay your taxes. And I think one of the issues uh, often for us is how our politicians use our tax money. They oftentimes, they, you know, you've heard the stories about the 35, or not, the, the, the adjustable wrench that costs, you know, $250,000. You hear those kind of crazy stories about the, uh, you know, the misappropriation of, uh, of tax money. And, uh, you know, that's certainly, you know, something that goes on there. But I think, you know, here's how we approach it. You, you approach it at that ballot box. We don't like what somebody does. Make your vote. Even though sometimes our vote doesn't count. <laughs> you, that's, that's where we make our protest. And it's a peaceful protest. Now, he expands here <clears throat> uh, relative to... Um, some other things. Last verse. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. I think we need to take advantage of every tax break we can. I don't want to pay any more tax than I have to. I'm not going to. I'm going to try to take advantage of every opportunity that I have. I'm going to pay what, I, what, what is due. But again, if you have an opportunity to take a tax break, man, by all means, take advantage of that. Now he says here, render to those that need that, that you should give respect to. The word fear here, it's also um, uh, translated respect. 
And again, I think it's important. Uh, Franklin Graham called for today. That's why we, we actually shifted gears and we turned tonight into a prayer meeting because they wanted us to pray for the, for the, for the government, for President Trump, for the administration. And I do pray. I pray the Lord gets hold of his life, gets hold of his heart. Uh, I pray that the Lord somehow, and it, you know what? There are certain things that can only take place by a miracle. And for, for the, the, the political divide and polarization to ever be healed in this country, man, it would take a move of God. I'm not holding my breath, okay? But it would take a miraculous thing. But you know the Bible, one of the things we were reading last week, as much as lies within us to live peaceably with all men, to, to not have, again, I think sometimes we can get so focused on political issues and the opposing party you know, to us that we have an attitude toward people. I think that's wrong. I think it's wrong for Christians because why? We miss an opportunity. Again, God's not, God's not concerned about so much about changing our politics as he's changing our hearts. And we need to look at opportunities that we can have. We don't want to miss that. So he says respect. Respect all people. Um, and, you know, this thing of rendering to Caesar, oftentimes it's forced upon us. And there's a lot of people that just have a, and they have angst about that. You know, you can, be, you can be really bitter and angry, you know, regarding, you know, taxes. If you're, you know, say you're a business owner. I mean, these guys, these small business owners, these guys are getting hammered with taxes. And so regarding this whole matter of rendering to Caesar, it, it's, often, it's important that even though we may be forced in many respects, you know, like it or not, we need to do it for the Lord's sake. Because even though we may have to, a person may have to pay a lot of taxes, who's our provider? Do we really believe that the Lord is the one who's going to take care of us? Hey, what, happen, what, what happens if the whole economy tanks? And the dollar is no good. What are we going to do then? That's why, you know, the Bible says don't trust in mammon. Don't trust in the almighty dollar. We, we need to trust in our Father, our Heavenly Father, because He has reserves and resources um, to meet our every need. And, and you know what He can do? He does that now. He can do that now for you and I. As we simply, whatever our perplexity, whatever our problem, whatever our situation is, you know, by prayer, we bring God into the context of our situation. I can't tell you how many times raising five kids and trying to do it on a minister's salary. It just, we just never bought things new. We could never buy things new. We just couldn't go out and buy brand new Nike or certain label clothing. But you know, God provided. And I look back at those times, I look back at those times raising the five kids and you know, just couldn't pay, they couldn't barely pay. It was like we were always, I'm just writing checks, floating checks out there saying, Lord, please send in the money before that check gets to its destination. You ever do that? You know, kind of in faith, you float it. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and, and you know, he never let us down. He never let us down. But you know, we got to ask him. We got to talk to him about it. We got to give it over to him. But I think, again, rendering to, to Caesar things that are Caesar, the more important truth here is make sure that we're rendering to God 
the things that belong to God. This word render is kind of interesting. It means to basically give, to give up or to give back. And when I was thinking about the word render, all of a sudden I thought, when you put a little prefix in front of the word render, what, is that, what does that say? What's the word? It changes the word, but it doesn't really in a sense change the meaning. Surrender. And that's what God calls us into relationship. What? To surrender up our lives. To turn our lives over to Him. To turn over the circumstances, the situations. Is there something presently taking place in your life? Too big for you? We do our best. You know, we're we Americans, man. We're resourceful people. But oftentimes we come to the place where the problem is just too big. And in closing, I'm going to pray. But if there's something that you want to give up to him, something you want to surrender, something you want to turn over, I want to ask you to stand up. And you don't have to tell us. God knows what it is. God knows your heart. Something you just want to turn over to him and say, Lord, I'm giving this up to you. It's too big for me. He's a great God. He's an awesome God. He's powerful. And Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can come to you, Lord. Thank you that you're a God, Lord, who's near and at hand, not a God who's afar off. Thank you, our God, that you, you hear prayer and that you answer prayer. Father, I pray for these that have stood. Thank you for their faith. Lord, they're not too embarrassed or to stand up and to recognize, Lord, there, there's a problem, there's a situation, there's a circumstance in their life. Lord, where they just need to give it up to you. And so I pray you'd help them to do that. But I also pray, Lord, that you'd intervene. Lord, we're so grateful, Lord, for your, your interventions in our life, your provisions, Lord. And uh, I just pray for each and every one of them. Lord, help us to wait upon you. Lord, help us to look to you. And Lord, thank you for, we thank you, Lord. You remind us in Romans that having given us your Father, your Son, that with him you will freely give us all things. So, Lord, we praise you and thank you, and we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.